and welcome to IndieWire's Filmmaker Toolkit Podcast. I'm Crystal Fault, editor of the Toolkit. My guest today is Hiro Murai, the co-executive producer of Atlanta. He also directed seven of the first ten episodes in season one and seven of eleven in season two. Did I get that right? That's right. Okay. And I, you know, I'm assuming just based on that, you know, you you must start on this when the writers' room is up and mm-hmm. you you see through post, right? Is that kind yeah, of yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Um, yeah, it's a you know, it's a process that I just sort of learned how to do in you know, as we started doing it. So I don't know what the normal uh, approach is, but it's something that uh, that sort of grew out of just a, a collaboration with Donald, and, and so you know, I'm very like emotionally invested in the and uh, how the show, whole show comes together, even outside of being a director. And what is that beginning to end for season two? Was that from from gathering all the writers to to you know finishing post on the on you know the last episode? What was how long is that? Uh, well, this season I think uh, we started. They were writing probably midsummer uh, last year, and mm-hmm. then we started produ- production in September. Uh, we went till end of December, and then we were in post till maybe about a month ago. So it's a long, like eight month process about. You know, I, I, I read that in season one, Donald started with a, you know, an outline, kind of like what he wanted. Not, I don't know if an outline is the right word, but a sense of like what he wanted to happen in mm-hmm. various episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I guess his, his Silver Lake studio, home <laughs> studio kind of became, became the writer's room. Uh-huh. I'm curious for, for this season two, um, you know, how, what was that? You know, what was the starting point in terms of when everybody was gathering? Like, what 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 sense of where this was going to go? Mm-hmm. And also, um, you know, was there a was there like a deadline? Was there a sense of okay, we're going to start production in in September, and so therefore we have X amount of days to to, yeah, to write these? I think so. I mean, you know, to be clear, like I, I you know when they first start writing and bouncing ideas around, I'm not in the room with them. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I kind of come in uh, once they sort of put all, the, all their ideas on the board and you know they need to kind of start structuring and figuring out what the season is um, so I, you know I'm not exactly sure what went down mm-hmm. uh, but uh, in the beginning I think you know a lot of it is is the writers kind of explaining talking about what their lives have been like since the first season came mm-hmm. out and you know I, I think this season's a lot about you know um, dealing with success from the first season in a lot of ways mm-hmm. uh, and how their lives have kind of changed. Um, so I, I know the first phase of the writing is a lot of uh, a lot of just telling personal stories and, and, and kind of things that sort of, you know, jumped at them in the, in the past year and see how they can kind of cobble that together into a story. So season two starts, um, I, I hope I'm getting this right, it's, it's called Robin season mm-hmm. and there's starts with this plotting of like a kind of, you know, they're going to hold up a, a fast food joint mm-hmm. and then I think there's, there's obviously some drugs being dealt out of that. And then all of a sudden it escalates into this action scene with automatic weapons, not just this, yeah. this whole, starts off with like you think you're going to hold, he's just going to hold up uh, the, the teller and then right. before you know it, it's, it's this kind of over the top action scene. And then um, they're pulling away, uh, they shoot up the car, the car stops and out, out, this is, I think it's a woman who's been shot, I think, mm-hmm. who we have never even seen before. Right. And it's kind of, it's this kind of horrific moment. And then none of these characters are really part of the story. Mm-hmm. And it's this almost this, this short film, and in and of itself, also just the woman coming out, it's kind of like, wh- what was that? Yeah. What was the thinking, what's kind of the thought process of starting 
the season that way because it's a very distinct way of starting a sure, season. Sure, sure. I, I think one, you know, even in the first season, we always talked about wanting to the show to feel like we're seeing a small piece of a bigger world, mm -hmm. you know? So the idea is that you just happen to be seeing the story around Earn and Paperboy and Darius, but there's a whole other story happening right next door or, you know, two blocks over. Um, so we always kind of want it to feel like you're just seeing a little small piece of the story. So the idea of starting the, the season with characters you never met and then, you know, a story that you'll never see again is that is to just remind people that there's always things happening around the corner. You know, and I, I think it makes the, the main story feel a little more spontaneous too. Does it also give you permission to kind of do some of the detours that you do? You know, something like the the Teddy Perkins is, mm -hmm. that, is, that, is that is that in that sense? You know, in a movie, oftentimes open titles, opening titles, or things like that are kind of setting you up for things mm -hmm. that um, to be aware. There might be a fantastical element, or there might be something. You know, there might be yeah. some element there mm -hmm. that you kind of need to like ground the audience. Is that is that a little bit like buckle up? You don't know where we're going. This yeah, night? I think so. I, I think you, you you're kind of teaching people to ingest. Our show in a, in a very specific way. You know, we have a very specific rhythm of how how we like to tell stories, and and you know, I think you set people's expectations, and and, uh, and we don't always follow through with it. You know, so mm -hmm. I, I think you're absolutely right. And those conversations when you are getting involved, and they start, you start to see where they're going with this. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, it, one thing we should say. Um, the writers' room is all African Americans, mm -hmm. and um, I believe, at least for first season, it was they all had in some way a connection to Atlanta or some mm -hmm. some grounding in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. uh, my understanding is you were born in Japan and have spent a good portion of your life in Los Angeles. Yes. So, yes. so, 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 so you're not in the room generating the stories, mm -hmm. but 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 you play a very key role in, in that. And I'm wondering, in terms of that, as this, and you've also played a huge role in in, in collaborating with Donald and getting his mm -hmm. stories kind of out there visually. What, what is that feedback? What is those, those conversations? Because you, you're the one that's helping translate this. What are, could you give some examples of how you kind of get involved once the stories, I mean, obviously you direct them, but even I'm just talking in the beginning, this kind yeah, of those yeah. conversations that you and Donald are having. Um, you know, it's, it's, you know, we've been working together on music videos for the past five years, and you know, we, we just sort of established some a rapport that I that I can't quite put my finger on. It's it's never uh, we never talk about things too explicitly. You know, mm -hmm. I feel like we're kind of um, uh, like I make decisions based on I know what he wants to say, and then you know uh, when I'm directing, he'll sort of react to what I'm doing as a performer. You know, mm -hmm. um, so you know it's a very sort of like loose, fluid relationship, which I think is. You know, it, it's very good for the work we do because it, 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 we don't deal in abstract or uh, absolutes very much. It's mm -hmm. very sort of like abstract, you know. Um, but um, but for me, you know, I, I know Donald goes into a season thinking, you know, he has very specific things he wants to get across and say. Uh, and for me, it's sort of, you know, um, shaping that idea and then finding mm -hmm. the best sort of most potent way to, to deliver that stuff. Um, you know, it helps that we have similar kind of taste in, in, mm -hmm. in, in films and, and you know, uh, media. Um, so, um, you know, it's, it's a very much like kind of a uh, loose process that we just try to figure out as we go. Well, I mean, you, you talked a little bit about the fact that um, in some ways season two is a reaction to the success of season one, mm -hmm. which I, I, I'm guessing took a lot of people by surprise. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Because you, you are doing something so different. Mm -hmm. um, 
is, but what, what, were, what were, I mean, from having watched the whole season, mm-hmm. there, there's something more explicit about season two. There's something that's kind of going a little bit further in terms of um, some of the themes that are in season one. I'm, I'm wondering what, what are, I know you can't speak for Donald, but what are some of those things that were important to get across? What was some of that, that sense of what we were, you know, that, that glue that was tying together these, these various stories? Um, I mean, season two for me, you know, when they were writing, you know, that's when, that's right after post-election, and then there's a lot of things that felt very sort of volatile. So I'm just trying to think, you, you, they're, they're gathering the summer of 2017, and so the election is November 2016. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. So you know, and, and it's, you know, I mean, it's not that not that things have mellowed out since then, but mm-hmm. but I think there was a lot of uh, uncertainty in there, and specifically for for African Americans and minorities. Um, so you know, I think there was a sense of desperation in the air, and to me, they're they're what they ended up writing for the season is very much a reaction of that, mm-hmm. and there's a certain sense of. Um, you know, anxiety in the air, you know, mm-hmm. and so they kind of transpose that feeling into what they call Robin season, which is uh, a time in during the holidays in Atlanta where where people, you know, out of desperation for money, um, start robbing and, 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 you know, trying to hustle their way through to get money for the for the holidays. Um, does that answer your question? It does. You know, you know, you had described, I want to make sure I was, you kind of described the way that the style of the show in terms of the work that you're doing is mm-hmm. it's a little minimalist deadpan gaze, which is sure. <laughs> just a lot. Of, there's a lot of things to unpack there, and that, and that sense that in that things could swing in any direction. That mm-hmm. seems to be the big thing here. Is is like, are we setting up a joke? Are we right. setting up something else? And it could swing. Um, it could really. In, in watching it, you feel that you're mm-hmm. like. I think in narrative, you're always thinking forward and where things are going. But with this show, you're like, okay, right, <laughs> right. right. Um, and it just kind of off what you had said, the thing that struck me in watching the season was that sometimes that swing, mm-hmm. more so than in season one, is a little bit towards dread and horror. And yeah, I think that's true. Yeah, um, yeah, it's because it's, it's it's very funny. We didn't expect the second season to go the way we did. You know, it's um, but the voice is kind of consistent through season one and two. I think um, it's just that 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 gaze, that neutral gaze, just tipped more into horror just because of the things we're kind of reacting to. It always strikes me that Darius is like a hidden weapon or secret <laughs> weapon with all of this because mm-hmm. in those moments where you're kind of like, this could go in any direction, he he, he lets you stay there for like an extra minute or two and gives mm-hmm. it like this vibrancy mm-hmm. and almost this different layer of like, he could take it anywhere. It's, a, it's just a unique, perf- it's a unique character, but the performance by Lakey is just, it, it, it's like it, there's something there that I, I feel like it gives you guys more options and allows you to kind of mm-hmm. uh, more like kind of in, go in a surreal direction very quickly. Yeah, totally. And in a, in a way, I think Darius is kind of the voice of the show in some ways. You know, at least his perspective marries the way the way we like to shoot the show. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't really know how he's going to react to any situation, but most of the time he's very sort of, you know. Uh, He's not perturbed by anything, you know. He 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 has a very sort of like stable perspective on things, and it's a little, it's a little eccentric, but uh, but uh, but he's also very like 
human and sort of empathetic character. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I like to kind of think of the show that way. Um, so in a lot of, I mean, I'm personally very sort of, you know, endeared by Darius and kind of, I see him as a kind of a conduit for, for, <laughs> for our perspective. You know, the, the main characters are smoking pot a good portion mm-hmm. of the show. Um, and I think one thing that really, in particular with the season that kind of comes across is that this isn't just rappers smoking pot. This is also very much a coping. There's there's a sense mm-hmm. of, of and I think Donald has said something like that too somewhere along the way of. Right. Um, but playing off that, like that also I feel like that sense of like when they're going on these, you know, whatever, adventures is the wrong word, but mm. the, the, I have to imagine that also kind of also informs a little bit about the pacing and sense of, of mm-hmm. very often they're high, right? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I, I think that's kind of the the device that we're using, but it's also you know they take in information in a very sort of um, kind of an abstracted way, you mm-hmm. know. And I think that's kind of the perspective of the show as well. And that's really where I think you come in, right? Is that sense of mm-hmm. you? I mean, you had said something along the lines of um, you know, as an immigrant, you have a sense of that being other. Mm-hmm. You know, it made me instantly think there's this, you know, a Polanski short that he made once where they're carrying around, because he, you know, he was often an immigrant and outside, carrying around this wardrobe that they couldn't <laughs> like fit in a diner yeah, and they're yeah, on a yeah. beach or something mm-hmm. like that in that sense. Um, and, you know, that sense of the camera almost being like a state of mind of mm-hmm. feeling, I mean, that really, I mean, I know that's something that comes from Donald and, and the writer's vision, but my guess, my sense is that's really one of the biggest things is how to kind of cinematically, that kind of state of mind of feeling yeah, other, and, right? Yeah, I think that's something that's really important to me, and it's something that uh, Donald and I have worked on a lot, even in our music videos, is kind of create that tone. Um, and you know, like you said, I think a lot of the show is about being, being an outsider and kind of being in this foreign situation where you know you're you're kind of the other, you know. And it's a very distinct feeling, you know. Um, uh, so that combined with all the weed smoking, I, I think I think there's a very specific voice that we're trying to hit with the camera. You know, and visually, you're you're not punching on close-ups and reaction shots to kind of <laughs> emphasize certain things. You're mm-hmm. you're. You're letting an awkward beat go. You're letting, mm-hmm. um, um, you know, a joke doesn't have a punch to it. You're sure. having clear. But the other thing that, and this really hammered home for me um, in seeing uh, Hero directed um, This Is America, the Childish Gambino mm-hmm. video that, um, you know, has kind of taken off. And one thing about that that really, you know, because it was uh, is almost an extreme of something that you're doing on Atlanta, because you're in that huge warehouse mm-hmm. in the way that you're playing is that it, it seems to me a huge part of how you kind of capture that and how you work as a director is a foreground background f- playing off of things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, obviously in the warehouse you can do like a whole dance thing over here and, right. and a whole, you've got whole worlds, but, but that sense of holding shots, not necessarily going to close-ups, but then um, some of that surreal element is a, is a kind of play of of kind of two layers of the frame. Is, mm-hmm. that, is, that, is that something you, Yeah, I'm kind of conscious of that. I mean, you know, I, I, like, I like things that don't feel too fussy. You know, I, I, don't, I, I think anytime we're trying to make a point, I think your point is made better if, if, you're, if you're not putting it up on a pedestal and you're letting the audience kind of lean into mm-hmm. it. Um, and, you know, I, I feel like that's sort of how I experience life anyway, where I'm sort of gazing, you know, um, I'm gazing and just kind of zoning out on, on about something and then something in the corner of my eye 
uh, catches, you know, something absurd happens in the corner mm -hmm. of my eye. Um, so I never want to foreground the, that, those moments, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, for, you know, we do this a lot on the show where the most surreal and absurd elements are happening kind of backgrounded and out of focus. Um, because, you know, the, the, I always bring up the invisible car from the first season mm -hmm. as, a, as a reference where, you know, they're coming out of the club and, uh, and you know, they just gotten their money back from, uh, from the promoter, so they're kind of celebrating. And then all of a sudden, um, they hear gunshots off screen and they all start scattering. Uh, and then in the deep background, you see an invisible car that was sort of planted earlier on the episode mm -hmm. kind of hit a bunch of people. Um, and that moment, I just don't think it would have felt right if you cut to a close-up of an invisible car hitting people. You know, that, that moment only works as sort of like a like a fever dream moment where you're just kind of lost in the escape of, of these characters, but it just happened to see the car hit people in the background. And, and the other thing about that is it seems as if those kind of surreal, absurdist moments, those also are working because you, there's something immediate going on with our characters in the in the foreground. Right, it can't exactly. be about that, right? Exactly, and it's sort of in support of how the characters are experiencing that moment or the story of that episode. You know. One of my favorites from this season is, mm -hmm. is I don't remember, I'm so bad with the names of them, but they, they end up at that frat house. And, <laughs> and, and um, you know, uh, Paperboy and Earn are on a couch, mm -hmm. and there's a con huge Confederate flag behind them. Mm -hmm, and then mm -hmm. in front of them is all these white, naked uh, pledges <laughs> dancing, you know, being forced to perform. And there's something so absurd about that image. Yeah. Um, but really, that... I think the thing that people get lost with with Atlanta is, is that that moment was really about Big Boy and Earn in mm -hmm. that sense of is he going to fire him? Right. Is he right. going to let him go? And this situation that they end up in mm -hmm. is an example of why possibly right Donald's right. character is not you know right. like why are they in the college bunking with. Uh, groupies and right. find having to go, you know, to the KKK to find weed and like, right. you know, it's like there's this thing where it's like, really, you're sitting there. That's absurd, but like in the audience's mind, mm -hmm. they're really like, oh, this isn't good for right. for Donald's character, right, right. right? And that that scene also is about just strange power dynamics being a rapper, right? So mm -hmm. you know, you're, they're in the deep south where there's a huge Confederate flag on the wall, mm -hmm. which you know is immediately a, an intimidating, intimidating thing mm -hmm. for a black man to see. But they're looking at a rows of of you know white frat boys with bags over their heads that are naked mm -hmm. and like a weird submissive position. And you know the the frat guy who's talking to Paperboy is a huge fan of Paperboy and rap mm -hmm. music and snap music, you know. So I, I think that scene is kind of about, you know, uh, <laughs> how what a weird, ambiguous, you know, ambiguous position it is to be Paperboy or a black man in that position where, you know, uh, these people are appreciating your culture and kind of put you on a pedestal mm -hmm. culturally, but also, you know, they're not aware that they're in a, an environment that's bred out of you know, racism and hatred a little bit. Going back to the sense of the foreground background and the way that you, you, you work as a director in terms mm -hmm. of framing, you know, going back to This Is America, one thing about that, once again, in that warehouse is mm -hmm. it's like, it's the perfect stage for you to be able to, to, to do this and to stage these things. Mm -hmm. But yet so much of Atlanta is interior. Mm -hmm. Or not interior, but it, it, it's intimate spaces. I mean, they do yeah, do outside, but, but, but it, and 
that sense of that ability to stage something to get that foreground background mm -hmm. becomes a lot more difficult. Yeah. Right? I mean, how do you? I mean, and obviously you can't do it to the extent that you you do it. Um, but you know, even something like that scene with the pledges. I mean, that's not, I, I can't imagine that room is all that big. Yeah. And, yeah. and or you do it a lot at Big Boys House, not Big Boys, um, Paperboy's House. Mm -hmm. You know, in that with that kitchen in the background. Mm -hmm. Is that something that? Um, has been a challenge with this is is the working in the interior to get to, to come up with those frames is there like a lens that you lean on is there something uh yeah i mean we tend to shoot and it sort of depends on the episode you know i, I think a lot, of, a lot of times we have fun changing the voice of the camera a little bit based on the type of episode it is but yeah. you know we tend to shoot relatively wide you know 28 mil to 32 mil um, and we like to position ourselves in situations where multiple actions can happen in a single frame. Um, and, you know, specifically... When you say position stuff, is that almost something that's kind of thought in, in, into the writing process, or is, is that something where you're, you're staging a scene kind of when uh, you get I'll, it? I'll, you know, sometimes I'll take a pass at, a, mm -hmm. you know, a scene just so I can block it in the way that I, I want, or, mm -hmm. you know, is, I think is in support of what's written there. Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of times it's, it's sort of just finding locations and then and staging in a way that, that, that kind of works that way, you know. Uh, but the thing about uh, Paperboy's house is that it's, it's perfect for the layering uh, uh effect that, that you're talking about mm -hmm. where in the kitchen and then the couch and then the living room all kind of exist in a single line mm -hmm. um, which is great and I think that's kind of the reason I was you know I was attracted to that location at first but other than that it's actually a really difficult location to shoot yeah it's interiors really small like interiors suck yeah, yeah interiors they, are awful like, in general but that there's a reason they just, build stages <laughs> exactly exactly and then often you're just staring at a you know like a pink wall yeah. uh, so it's 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 really claustrophobic and, and sometimes you know the coverage don't cut together because you mm -hmm. have to kind of position yourself in weird ways to to, to cover the scene so <laughs> sometimes that idea kind of drives the decisions and then <laughs> the rest is us trying to figure out how to make it work for the rest of it. Um, season two, and kind of building off this because the interiors are lit very interestingly too, um, season two has a very distinct look. I know mm -hmm. that there's a sense of season one being a summer mm -hmm. shot. I mean, I think that's just a logistic, you know, you, yeah, you yeah. know you're going to Whereas this is a, a winter fall mm -hmm. show, so there is that sense of a different light and 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 that you're playing with, but there also seems to be a very um, distinct look to this. Mm -hmm. I, I noticed a, kind of a, a retro desaturization. I noticed mm -hmm. um, some very high contrast. Um, also, mm -hmm. the interiors, there isn't necessarily an attempt to fill. Right. To fill, you right. know, and often with dark skin, mm -hmm. there's an, there is that sense of like, we got to, you know, you're right. fine. I can't see the detail in their face. It's it, you let it, the lights coming in the windows. I need that feeling. Right. Um, What's his name? Christian uh, Spranger. Spranger. I mean, yeah. really, I mean, amazing job on this. But I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about mm -hmm. that, because I have to imagine that was a very conscious choice of, right. of how we want how we wanted that season to look. Yeah, and even in the you know in the first season, we always wanted talked about wanting the show to feel unlit, and you know people can kind of you know fall into darkness as long as they come back into light at some point. You know, mm -hmm. they, they, we don't always need to see people's faces. Uh, and I think we took that further in the second season. Um, I know that, you know, uh, because it's a little more dramatic season, um, he he lit lit the guys in a slightly edgier way, in a little moodier way, mm -hmm. less filled in, like you said. <clears throat> um, but, um, 
but you know, it's it's all kind of following our initial initial manifesto of you know not lighting for people's faces, lighting the space, mm -hmm. and then having blocking people uh, in a way that makes them lit. You know, mm -hmm. um, and um, I forget what I was going to say. <laughs> um, there, how how is it still about four and a half days an episode? Roughly, yeah. Roughly, yeah. Do is that something that you you can reallocate in that sense of like, okay, I'm going to need yes. six for Teddy Perkins. Sometimes, yeah. I mean, it's still we never go longer than five days. I feel like maybe maybe you know if you count, we have a stage day at the very end of our season where we shoot all of our uh, cars, uh, our poor man. Um, of your projection stuff, the Portman process, yeah, Portman yeah. process stuff, uh, and then uh, any sort of set pieces, mm -hmm. um, which we don't have a lot of. But for example, in Teddy Perkins, we had an extended elevator sequence that mm -hmm. didn't exist in the house, so we built an elevator. Um, so if you count that, maybe it, it could go over five days. But one of the you know good things about directing seven episodes out of 11 is that you know at least I have those chips to play with you mm -hmm. know uh, if uh, one episode just mainly takes place in a single location I can allocate some of that to another episode. Um, your collaboration with Donald obviously started with with music videos mm -hmm. um, and I have to assume from that a large part of your collaboration is also with him as a performer mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. so um, and and in the last, there's kind of two performances I really kind of want to right away. I, uh, Teddy Perkins, mm -hmm. um, that is something that I have to imagine uh, was incredibly. I, I I can only imagine it, it came together beautifully, but I have to imagine that in terms of that collaboration and thinking of the performance, that that had to be something that was very nerve wracking for both of you, for everybody involved. Like, mm -hmm. how is that going to work, right? Yeah, I mean. He's seemingly fearless, as far as I can tell, uh, and and I think we have a way of sort of emboldening each other. Like you know, we'll get excited about an idea or some absurd premise, and then we're just kind of we'll be in like a feedback loop of us kind mm -hmm. of egging each other on into doing something absurd. Um, that t Teddy Perkins in particular was was such a fun process because we didn't tell anybody who you know who was going to play Teddy, you know, including Keith. Um, and so we did the, you know, we did the <laughs> rehearsals, you know, just with us two and maybe a PA. Um, you know, we experimented with voice pitches and accents and, and, uh, and you know, on the day, I, I didn't even see him going to the makeup trailer. He just showed up and, uh, and most of the crew didn't know who he was. Uh, and, and Keith didn't know? Keith didn't know, at least for a day and a half. Uh, until he just at, grilled everyone on the crew until someone gave up the, the information. But, but Keith had no idea. And so I have this great photo of Keith from set where he, <laughs> I told Keith to sit next to Teddy so I can take a photo of him. And I can see just, just pure confusion and horror on his face because he's trying to, because he knew somebody was in there. You know, it's not a natural looking person. Right. Um, but he was just going mad trying to figure it out. <laughs> Did Donald ever break character? Not on set, no. Not on set. Mm -mm. That'd be. <laughs> is the first time you saw him in makeup? I mean, you said you rehearsed with him and you were trying to work out the voice. Mm -hmm. But is the first time you saw Teddy Perkins in full makeup the, the that first day? Yeah, and and you know it's um, it's uh, I saw composites and you know our prosthetic makeup guy <clears throat> um, so would send sort of renders and stuff. So I had a rough idea what it was going to look like, um, but 
but I had no idea until the day of the shoot. And then as soon as I saw him, I just started laughing because I, I was so relieved that I just knew that it was going to work uh, just based on how I felt just staring at him. Um, and of course, he, you know, he was in character, so he didn't reciprocate or anything. Um, <laughs> so I recovered and then you know, went, on, went on with my day. The, I mean, obviously the episode in and of itself is just the fact that it's, you know, Teddy Perkins mm -hmm. in, the, in this house is obviously a very different episode. Mm -hmm. But it also seemed as if um, the way you were working was different. I mean, obviously there's some horror elements here. Mm -hmm. There's that house, which gives you certain... But there's, there's this thing where it's like um, everything is a little bit sharper and more specific in terms of the horror rather than kind of living in this... Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. is it, could you talk a little... Because I mean, I, my sense is that... You know, we talked about that opening and about how that's kind of preparing us for going mm -hmm. other ways. My sense is that the, the way that you worked as a director and a storyteller was also different, even beyond the story for, for that one. That yeah, I, th I think so. You know, it is a, it is a bottle episode, and, and, you know, our challenge was trying to make a full arc story that all takes place inside that house. Um, so it had to have the right build, and, you know, it had a different environment, service you know specific parts of the story and also you know there's a lot of there's a lot of um, there's a lot going on in terms of what Darius knows and what we know as an audience and what we think Teddy knows you know and whether Teddy and Benny are two different people or the same person so you know we were we it was sort of very mapped out and very uh, consciously sort of broken up visually um, and Christian and I talked a lot about approaching that episode a little you know removing ourselves from the Atlanta look a little bit. Mm -hmm. So once Darius uh, comes through the gate um, uh, in, with his U-Haul, uh, that's when the Atlanta look ends. And once he's on Teddy's property, we're lighting it differently and a little more um, uh, naturalistic and, and kind of somber feeling. Mm -hmm. uh, because the Atlanta look is pretty stylized, you know, it's, it's both in the color correction and, and, and the mm -hmm. way it's lit. Um, but we realized that Teddy's face just felt so much more uncanny when it when everything else looked a little more natural. Right. Um, so the big you know big thing with that episode was kind of dialing everything back and just letting Teddy's face do all the talking and you know all the the small set pieces to do all the talking like the ostrich egg and the is that thing real? It's very real. That's that's really it smells as as bad as you think it does. I had trouble watching that, like, I was just, <laughs> which I know is the point. <laughs> Our editor was so obsessed with that scene. It was originally like like twice as long as it was, and it's already too yeah. long, you know. Right. Um, but, uh, but, you know, we kind of fell in love with that scene because it was such a good introduction to Teddy. And you guys love the house thing. Like, that's kind of how you started, right? The, mm -hmm. the clapping, clapping your hands for the wrong reasons mm -hmm. it was, like, it was mm -hmm. set in people squatting in, I think, Chris Bosch's mansion. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then, mm -hmm. um, you know, you got the Drake episode this time. You've got the right, June, right. June 19th one. Um, that's kind of some, that, that idea of being in these, like, kind of large, mm -hmm. kind of mansion-like spaces and playing with that is, is something. Yeah, and it's it's also like, you know, there's, some, there's fun in giving yourself a constraint, you know? So you know that the whole world of the episode takes place in, in one house, and how do you... You know, hit all the highs and lows of that episode just in that location. Yeah. I, I'm sorry to keep dwelling on Teddy Perkins, but I, I no, have no, to. No. Either, but um, I have to also imagine, just from a story standpoint, that, you know, that the, you're building towards this moment. Does he just go by Keith? Is that it's not Lakeith? It's just Keith. Uh, people. I call him Keith. Keith okay. Yeah. Right. Um, well, Darius. 
has a monologue towards the end mm -hmm. that kind of everything hinges on in mm -hmm. that sense that you, I think we are supposed to kind of go with it and see the humanity behind mm -hmm. behind th this man's backstory. Mm -hmm. That's such a um, leap that that's gonna, it does work. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. I have to imagine, I don't think there's an out if it doesn't, right? <laughs> yeah, no, I, you're I, absolutely right. I you're have to imagine that was right. very, Risky or feel felt very like you know I, that sense of like you have to earn that you have mm -hmm. to or, mm -hmm. or or everything that you did and it's an incredible episode of television, but yeah. I have to imagine it was also that part of it even beyond the Donald and Whiteface is that is that had to be so risky that that was going to work. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. I mean that I, I specifically cite that day of shooting as the, as the day where I felt like we had a kind of an incredible episode because if like you said if that didn't stick it would just be you know it, the, the the premise could be a, a, a premise for a sketch you know mm -hmm. it's it's the guy in white face um in this creepy mansion like it could be a farce really you mm -hmm. know and the only reason only reason it grounds it and and becomes emotional is because of that last scene with with darius um but you know also like we i, I, th I think i had a hunch that it was going to work a because Keith, you know, as much as we use him as a as a kind of comedic presence in our, in our in our show, he's a very sort of empathetic and sort of you know human actor. You know, he's, mm -hmm. he he I knew he he could deliver that. You know, and then I also knew that we personally, like uh, me and Donald, were invested in the humanity of Teddy and kind of you know as as absurd as that premise is, like we're, it's a very kind of tragic story and it's very much. Specifically, talking about you know being a black celebrity and and you know how, how you can lose your identity uh, just being being famous you know um, and so even the though the premise is absurd I, I was really invested in the tragedy of it you know mm -hmm. so any opportunity we got to kind of reinforce that I, I was you know I was very determined to kind of get that across um, you know which is kind of the earning it part mm -hmm. you know. So I, I knew that we believed in it. We just, you know, um, we just needed to execute, you know. We're talking about per your collaborations with Donald and performance. Mm -hmm. um, you know, one thing about the music videos, um, and I can see how Atlanta is a natural extension of those, mm -hmm. but in the music videos you can make sharper turns. You can put yeah. two things together with the surreal. Mm -hmm. In Atlanta you're living in a moment and kind of expanding it and taking right. little detours where it's like boom, you could just do a 180 with the music video. Mm -hmm. And so one, uh, the, the This Is America, um, so much of those turns are wrapped up in different ways, this is my interpretation, everybody's got their own interpretation, mm -hmm. but it's different ways that we're seeing an African-American hip-hop performer or even just, um, mm -hmm. you know, in that sense of the different roles that, I don't know if how Donald thinks people see. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I don't want to get too much into my interpretation, but the only point being is, is that there's a sense of his physicality mm -hmm. changing. You know, you almost mm -hmm. have this like black minstrel thing going on, you have this kind of good time party thing going on, you've got you know, this kind of like more gangster rap, tough. Mm -hmm. And I have to imagine that there's, I mean, that video is amazing, but I have to imagine also kind of figuring out, working with him on those turns yeah. is a big thing. Cause it's, I don't, I don't remember him as a performer ever condensing that much in finding yeah. the, the switches. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that video really is completely driven by his performance, you know? Um, and it's, this is one of those things where I don't think I could 
do that video with any other artist, A, because most musicians don't know how to physically perform on camera like he does, um, but also I don't trust anybody to kind of kind of volley with me that way, because mm -hmm. that con concept wouldn't work if he wasn't able to deliver the performance. Um, and, and, you know, like I said before, a lot of it is us sort of sort of making choices and then letting the other person react. Um, so, you know, my, the way we choose to shoot it, a lot of times as we're re rehearsing, he'll try something and then that'll give me an idea to cover it a certain way or move the camera in a certain way. And then when he sees that, he'll, you know, kind of change his performance in a certain way. So it's, um, you know, it's, 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 and also the fact that he is, you know, a writer and, and, and he was, you know, conceptually a big part of the video and, and he's a performer who can kind of put the frosting on top of that. It's a very rare combination of, of skills, you know? Mm. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, it's my, my working with him is just sort of, I feel like I'm working with two different sides of him, you know, but it's sort of all working for the same purpose. And Maybe it's just how we digested it in that sense that it it dropped towards the end of Atlanta. And mm -hmm. I, but it feels also like the perfect kind of coda to, I, I, you guys just worked on Atlanta for mm -hmm. I don't know, seven, eight, nine months. And, mm -hmm. and I have to imagine going, there's something that you're able to do with the music videos that you can't on the show. And and, mm -hmm. and if I, I maybe once again, I'm looping the two together, but it felt like, I have to imagine there it was almost like this perfect, kind of outlet right when you finish the show to be mm. able to because there's, there's, there's some connections there too yeah I, I think there's a similar perspective uh, between the, the video and the show um, you know I you know I won't get into too much about get into like um, kind of decoding the video because I don't think it's my my place but, but plus <laughs> we've got there's, we got there's, the internet to there, do that also people people <laughs> they don't need us <laughs> But, but I think, you know, it's coming from a very specific, you know, uh, perspective. And it, it's, in a lot of ways, it's, it's all kind of part of Donald's art and Donald's uh, perspective on the world and, and his place in popular culture as well. Um, that said, I mean, you know, we also made that video right towards the end of wrapping post on Atlanta. Mm -hmm. So even though it was cathartic, it was also completely chaotic because <laughs> we, you know, needed to deliver everything at once. How did that work in that sense of, is there a lot of choreography and a lot of figuring out the movements and stuff first? Mm -hmm. Is that, the, did you, do you have many days of, do you have days of prep to kind of map yeah. everything out? And Not then... enough, for sure. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I, in a situation like that, ideally you have like two, three weeks. But, yeah. you know, for this video, because we wanted to get it out before, you know, by, by the time he was on SNL, we had maybe two weeks, including post, to, you know, make this video. So we had maybe one and a half rehearsals and... and, and one and a half days of rehearsal? Yeah, one and a half days of rehearsal. Uh, uh, we had this choreographer, Sherry Silver, who is a, a choreographer from Africa, and she was incredible. But, but you know, it's, it was also a situation where we were just kind of figuring it out as we're doing rehearsals and as we're on set. Um, I, again, I don't think it would have worked with any other artist, you know, just because it's, it's, it needed to be such a fluid process to get it done. Because um, we definitely didn't have enough time, <laughs> right. uh, but uh, but you know I, I think there's some, something kind of beautiful about being able to work that way. Um, maybe I'm overthinking this. The um, last five, 
six, seven minutes of Atlanta this season, mm -hmm. uh, which I loved. I loved the final episode. We go, we go back to the couch. We see there's a little mm -hmm. bit of a, you know, for anybody that was watching it from the start, you mm -hmm. know, they passed the, the guys in the, the airport that mm -hmm. used to do what Donald did mm -hmm. in the first episode. Um, but there's also just something in an element of a, um, from a language standpoint, it, there's something a little nostalgic. Some, a goodbye mm -hmm. element to it, which is not something that's part of mm -hmm. the, the way you guys operate. And it, it, it struck me as almost like a David Simon type thing, which is like in that sense of like when he ended a season of The Wire, it's not like he was saying it was over, but mm -hmm. he's like, I'm at peace if it's over here. And uh, I, I don't uh -huh. know if I'm over interpreting it, but it did feel to me, and I'm not looking for you to say, but it did look for me that sense um, beyond wrapping up the story the way that you did, that it that had a, a goodbye and nostalgic element to it. Yeah, you know, I, I think part of it is that this season, you know, I knew that we were putting people through something this season. You know, it's not we're not it's not a handholdy show, and you know, you're you're watching these characters go through some pretty harrowing stuff. You know, and, and mm. sort of standalone episodes that aren't what what uh, what people loved about the first season necessarily. So for me, I feel like I, <laughs> I was pushing this pretty hard for, for whatever reason. It just felt like I needed some sort of marker to tell you that, you know, A, this is still an extension of our universe, our Atlanta universe, and, and look how, the, how much these characters have kind of progressed in the course of the season, mm -hmm. you know, where they were two seasons ago in the beginning of the pilot. Um, so and and you know there are, there are a lot of transitional things happening. You know, uh, Paperboy is getting big enough to go on a European tour, and and you know they're moving out of their apartment, and and uh, Ern's realizing that he needs to pay tuition for the kid uh, for Lottie. Um, so for me, it was just sort of a way of kind of reminding people that 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 even though it's they've gone through a lot of hardships this season, they've mm -hmm. kind of moved forward and that they've kind of progressed as as, as characters. Because there is no plan, I imagine just the way things are, and I know this is later for season two, you don't really know when it fits into the schedule to do season three right now. I mean, there's no, there's yeah, nothing I on mean, the calendar or schedule, right? Uh, it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, I, those, that wasn't part of my thinking, uh -huh. you know, when we, we did the final episode. Mm -hmm. It just felt like we went through a bit of a journey uh, that season, and I, I kind of wanted the sort of, Comfort of being being able to point to certain things and be like, "Hey, remember, remember when we did this last season?" Mm -hmm. You know. Uh, fair enough. Last one. Uh, last week, it was announced that you have a. I think the word is a development deal. Is that is that, is that the <laughs> first look? <laughs> a first look deal with FX to do to do, uh, presumably develop your own your own shows. Mm -hmm. Do you have a sense of? I mean, you have a very distinct. Um, style and a sense of storytelling, do you have a sense of what uh, a hero FX show will look like or feel like in that, in like how it fits into that? Um, I'll find out, I guess. You know, I, I, I think, you know, this is, it's going to be an opportunity for me to sort of figure that out and, and thankfully FX is very sort of, you know, been supportive in, in letting me explore. Um, uh, you know, in terms of what I'm looking for is not necessarily something that, you know, it doesn't have to be something I specifically direct, you know, I just want to facilitate uh, other creators and directors into making their own thing, you know, I, I think a lot of ways what, what was so special to me about Lana is that Donald kind of 
kept you know put a foot in the door and it just let me in and kind of play around and explore uh, and I just want that you know to be able to give that opportunity to other people and and also facilitate kind of things from you know for me to do as well um, so you know, hopefully, hopefully that'll pan out. But. So in a sense, though, you're leaving the door open also for potential collaboration like exactly. that. Someone that has like a vision, and I mean, Donald seems overrun with ideas. Like that seems to be exactly. Uh, exactly. My, but in that that way of um, finding a way, possibly you playing a similar role. Exactly. So, okay. yeah. uh, do you have feature? Do you is a is there a desire to do features? Yeah, I'm. I'm. You know, I'm reading features and, and trying to figure out what I want to do in that space. Um, it, but, but it's. Funny because I, I have we have so much freedom on, on wow. Atlanta that I'm, I'm <laughs> I think I've been spoiled in a lot of ways. I'm trying to figure out what the best move is in the feature space and and um, you know I'm I'm getting to play and, and explore in a way on Atlanta that I, I don't think I would on in, in a feature space. Right. So. Oh, that was one thing that started with Louis and it's you guys are an extension and growth of that is that. That idea of short form cinematic storytelling, mm -hmm. this kind of these absurdist shorts. I, right. mean, I don't mean to categorize something like that, but no, they're, and they're there. loosely connected. I mean, there's a, a strong thematic mm -hmm. connection, but that ability to do something like that, which is which is playing with cinema, but it's it's a different type of storytelling than mm -hmm. than the type of thing that you would need for a, a commercial feature. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, I, I think yeah, I guess that's a big thing too. Is like on our show, I like. The idea of telling stories that are kind of self-contained in little nuggets of story, and because it's a half-hour show, we have the ability to sort of, you know, break tradition storytelling and you know break structure and then sort of subvert what you expect out of a half-hour show. I think it's harder to do a, do that on a longer format because there's expectations that come with length. You know, yeah. um, there's a hand-holding of the audience too, which you guys don't have zero desire to do. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I mean, I'm sure you I'm actually sure. have to watch your show. You can't just listen. To <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, well, Hero, uh, congratulations on the season and all the stuff. It's it's uh, you guys are having a little moment right now uh, that was yeah, punctuated by like SNL it. and um, This Is America, and it's it's well earned. It's yeah, really thank good you stuff. So much. Thanks, thanks so for coming. Great talking to you.